we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. And we come this evening to 1 Corinthians chapter number 13. We're going to read beginning in verse 31 of chapter number 12. We'll read through uh, this, this 13th chapter. And so I invite your attention there in the word of God, if you would look with me. Beginning in verse 31 of chapter 12, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. In chapter number 12, we looked at the spiritual gifts. Paul wrote concerning spiritual gifts. And as he concludes that chapter, he speaks about coveting the best gifts. And those would be the gifts that are used to uh, proclaim the message of Christ, to edify and build up the church. And he says in verse 31, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Well, in the 13th chapter, we see that more excellent way. Beginning in verse 1, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child... I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. And now abideth faith, hope, charity, these three. But the greatest of these is charity. We note the statement that we read in verse number 12, a more excellent way, or excuse me, verse 31 of chapter 12, a more excellent way. I want to speak to you on this subject this evening, the way of love, the way of love, a more excellent way. Charity is the greatest virtue of the Christian church. The word charity, when we think of that word, it immediately brings to our mind a service that with some measure of means bestows upon another with little or no means. In other words, we give. 
We give what we have. We give to others. Uh, you have, in recent weeks, brought food. Uh, you've given gifts, financial gifts. Uh, you've purchased presents for children and families who ride our Sunday school buses to try to encourage them, to try to help them. Uh, we'll see people out in the storefronts ringing the bell, asking for gifts and donations. There are many charitable organizations in our community and across the world. So when we think of charity, we think of giving. Those who have means, giving to those who are in need. We give generally because we have a heart of concern or love for our fellow man. We give with no expectation uh, of any reciprocation on the part of those that we give to. The motive for charity then should simply be our love for others. And it is best exemplified by God's love. It is the description of his love, the love that he has for mankind. Speaking of this word charity or love, Leon Morris describes it this way. A love for the utterly unworthy. God's love for us is a love for the utterly unworthy. There is nothing that you and I have done to earn God's favor or to obtain God's love. You might think that, well, I'm a pretty good person and surely God would love me. But the truth of the matter is we're all sinners. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all in sin, in rebellion, at enmity, at war against God. That's the condition he came to us and found us in. So therefore, we were not altogether lovely. There's only one who's altogether lovely, and that's Jesus. So Morris writes, speaking of charity, that it is a love for the utterly unworthy, it is a love that proceeds from a God who is himself love. It is a love lavished on others without a thought of whether or not they are deemed worthy to receive it. It proceeds rather from the nature of the lover than from any merit in the beloved. You see, the love of God doesn't depend on how attractive we are. The love of God depends on the nature of God. Beloved, John wrote, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. The very essence, the very nature of God is love. It is this charity. It is this unconditional love. Now, natural love often flows from the hearts of those who see something they deem to be lovely in another. You remember, gentlemen, when you saw your wife for the first time, before she became your wife, she caught your eyes. She was uh, attractive in your eyes. And you loved her. That love uh, at least began with an attraction, something that you saw in her that made her lovely. We tend to love those who uh, share our personality traits and those who uh, we find likable and lovable. But God loves all people. 
And God has commanded us that we're to love one another with the same love that he has loved us with. And by the way, natural love does not often endure, but God's love always endures. Natural love is often the source of cliques. It divides churches, and this was evident in Corinth. Paul prescribed the cure for the ailment, and that is this word, charity. Now, we understand some things about this Corinthian church. We understand that it was a carnal church. Uh, We understand that it was a, a contentious church. The people were divided. Uh, They were divided largely by personality. They were divided by uh, their covetousness for these spiritual gifts because they sought to to be people of reputation and of value in the church. There was a rivalry there. And we understand that this was a confused church. Uh, They misunderstood the purpose of these spiritual gifts. So Paul is writing to them in chapter 12 to clarify the purpose of, God's purpose and plan for the use of spiritual gifts. And then he says to them, in essence, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You've gotten off course. You're you're going down the wrong path. Let me show you a more excellent way. It's the way of love. I want to give you three thoughts from this chapter. We are certainly not going to cover them this evening, but I want you to write them down. And it will, probably be, it will probably be after the first of the year when we can come back to this. So I hope you're taking notes and you can keep up with it. The three thoughts that we'll look at uh, in this chapter, uh, first of all, are the problems of a church without charity. The problems of a church without charity. We note that in the opening verses of the 13th chapter, verses 1 through 3. And then secondly, we'll note the practical characteristics of charity. The practical characteristics of charity. What what does love look like? Uh, We'll note that in verses 4 through 7. And then thirdly, the priority of the church is charity. That's the third thought. We'll note that beginning in verse number 8 through verse number 13. Now, my goal this evening is to look at the first thought, the problems of a church without charity. And we see that the Corinthian church had a lot of problems. As I mentioned, they were carnal, they were contentious, they were confused. But they were a gifted church. Paul said they came behind in no gift. There were people in that church who could speak with power and persuasion. No doubt there were people who could sing in that church, and there were people who could serve in that church. There were gifted people in that church, but they were off course. They were pursuing the gifts rather than the giver, and they got off course. And Paul said, I I want to show you a more excellent way. But before he could show them a more excellent way, he had to show them, first of all here, the problems of a church without charity, a church without love. Now, the three things I want us to look at here this evening, first of all, Note this, if you would. A church without charity makes a sound without substance. A church without charity makes a sound without substance. Look, if you would, in verse number one. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass 
or a tinkling cymbal. I want you to imagine a beautiful orchestra. We enjoy this music at Christmas, don't we? I'm thankful for the instrumentalists that God has given to us. And I want you to imagine a beautiful orchestra that is playing beautiful notes. But there's one thing missing. That's love. A church can function like a finely tuned machine. In fact, there are lots of people who can tell us how we ought to organize our ministries, how things ought to be done. And by the way, I'm all for it. But you can have all of that and not have love in a church. And let me tell you what you really have. You have a sound with no substance. According to a University of Arizona study that was conducted in 2007, the average person speaks about 16,000 words per day. Now, some of us may speak less. Some of us may speak more. There are other studies that vary in that number, and some point out, and I say this rather reluctantly, that women are known to speak more than men. As a pastor, I do a great deal of speaking. I speak from the pulpit. I speak in meetings. I speak in counseling sessions, visits. As a parent, I do a lot of speaking. I do so much speaking, I get sick of hearing myself speak. Usually I get home at the end of the day and my wife wants to talk to me about how things went and how my day was, and by the time I get there, I've talked enough. I don't want to talk anymore. That's not a good habit to develop, by the way. But there are a lot of words. We can say a lot of things. As parents, we say a lot of things to our kids. We can say a lot of things to one another. We can say a lot of things to our community. We, we can tell people, listen, you need to straighten up and get right. You're going in the wrong direction in your life. We can talk to those who've rejected God and are walking in darkness and are walking in confusion. We can speak to them. But if we do not have love in our hearts, if we do not have a love for God and do not have a love for them, let me tell you what that amounts to. It amounts to nothing. He says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels. By the way, that's what the Corinthian church was, was really into. Speaking with the tongue of men and of angels. They were really carried away with the gift of oratory. The tongues of men, speaking of languages and wisdom. By the way, Paul addresses the subject of tongues in 1 Corinthians in detail because they misunderstood that gift as well. When he refers to the tongues of angels, he's speaking of eloquence. They were known to be impressed by the excellency of speech. They were caught up with this gift of oratory, the gift of wisdom, the gift of speaking languages. Paul said, I, I, I can speak with those gifts but if I do not have love, if I do not have charity, then I'm just making noise. I'm making noise. I've often wondered how much noise I make with such little impact. A church without charity makes a sound without substance. We notice in verse number two that a church without charity has a vision without value. 
A church without charity has a vision without value. Notice in verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, uttering the truth of God's word, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am, would you say the last word with me there in verse 2? Nothing. A church without charity has a vision without value. The gifts spoken of here in verse 2 have to do with spiritual sight or spiritual vision. And we understand that vision is important because without it, the people perish. We need people who can proclaim the truth of God's word, who can study it who can search it out, who can help us understand it. My wife this morning, as we were talking about 2 Samuel 19 and 20, she was telling me about the particular challenges of just keeping up with the different characters and, and, and relating all that is happening there to what God is doing in our world today. And that's the preacher's task to take the Scripture, open the Scripture, explain the Scripture, and the Holy Spirit to apply it to your lives. That, that's the responsibility I have. These are the gifts that Paul is speaking of. Though we have all vision, and yet if we don't have love, I can preach to you, but if, if I don't love God and I don't love you, my message is going to be ineffective. We can lecture people. We can talk to people all day long. We can tell everybody what's wrong with America. But if there's no love in our heart, our words are hollow. In the Corinthian church, those who possessed these gifts were considered to be more valuable. The value was placed on the gift and the gift holder often resulted in the covetousness of the members who wanted to have that gift, who desired to have it so that they could promote themselves. And by the way, we've all met some preachers and, and some singers in, in uh, Christendom, for lack of a better term, who seem to be about themselves. Paul told them that these gifts, absent charity, were of no value. Let me give you a third thought then this evening, a, Church without charity is benevolent, but without benefit. A church without charity is benevolent, but without benefit. Look in verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. It doesn't help me. It doesn't help anyone. Oh, yes, it may minister to some immediate needs, but it, it really profits nothing. The word bestow here means to give. In the context, if one were to give all his possessions to feed those in need, or if one were to give his life as a martyr, absent charity, it would be of no benefit at all. We find out how important love is, don't we? Because there's a great temptation, there's a great tendency in our lives to go through the motions to adhere to a, a, a doctrinal position, which we should uh, have the right doctrine, right? To adhere to a, a, a certain ideology, a certain way of thinking about how things ought to be done, but yet not have love. 
I've met some people like that, haven't you? They usually don't help many people. In fact, they really turn a lot of people away. There's a whole group of people out here today who want to talk about how they were mistreated by people who didn't love them. Some of those people really have just rejected the truth, but some of them may have some legitimate concerns. They may not be expressing them legitimately. They may not be dealing with them legitimately, but the truth of the matter is sometimes in the name of God and right, we can do damage to people that we don't intend to do. Now, we're all going to make mistakes. As a parent, I make a mistake every day. How about you? I've got some challenging responsibilities, but none more challenging than parenting my children. Nothing is more difficult than that. I'm grateful for the opportunity. I love my kids. But it can be very difficult to know how to make these decisions, where to set the boundaries. It's difficult. Parents, it's difficult. Kids, give your parents a break. Do they love you? You know they do. Do they provide for you? Absolutely. You mean more to them than anything on this earth. But they're not perfect. Your responsibility, however, is not to judge them and tell them what they've done wrong. Your responsibility is to honor and obey them. Amen? I appreciate that. I think so too. Amen? (laughs) Not because I'm doing it either. There's a generation that curseth their father and their mother. They say, you know, they mistreated me. They didn't treat me right. They they didn't give me opportunities. It's easy to be a judge when you haven't done it yourself, isn't it? I thank God for my parents. They're a gift from God to me. Took me to church. I want to tell you the best thing you can do for your children One of the best things is take them to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Let me say that again. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Take them to church. I think that bears repeating. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Take them to church. They're not going to get it all in one service. You know, sometimes that's what we want. We want presto, push-button Christianity. We want one service to settle it all. We're going to have no more problems after that. I'm going to tell you, that's never going to happen. But I'll tell you what will change a life is consistent teaching and preaching of the Word of God. By the way, they're getting more than you think they are. They're getting more than than you think they are. So just keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. They need to know you love them, and they do. But we can do a lot of things for them and a lot of things for our neighbors and a lot of things for our community and a lot of things for people in our church. But if we don't love them, it's to no avail. A church without charity is benevolent without benefit. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this in verse number 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. 
Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, what does that mean? It's speaking of your giving. Your giving. Remember the context, though I bestow all my goods, though I give. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. You see, Jesus was speaking of those who gave, and maybe they gave more than others. You remember the story of the widow who cast in the mite, right? The two mites. She gave all that she had. Nobody really recognized that. But Jesus did. Her motive, by the way, was not to be recognized. Nobody paid attention to her when she put her money in the treasury. But there were others who would blow a trumpet and let everybody know, here I come, I'm going to make a great contribution. They gave to be recognized by others. They gave to receive things from others. But the motive was all wrong. By the way, what's your motive? We know the motive of the Corinthian church was not in the right place. They were seeking the advancement of themselves. And so as we think of these opening verses, we think about the problems of a church without charity. Someone has said it this way, without love, all I say is ineffective. All I know is incomplete. All I believe is insignificant. And all I accomplish is inadequate. You see, a church without charity may be visionary, gifted, talented, highly organized, efficient, knowledgeable, bold. They may appear to have it all together, but in reality, they don't. In reality, they have nothing. They may be a sacrificial, giving, serving group of people who helps no one, not even themselves. What a tragedy it is to be a church without charity. What a tragedy it is to be a Christian without charity, to be a father without charity, to be a mother without charity. What a tragedy it is. But we need the love of God in our hearts. How do we rekindle that love? By the way, the Bible says the love of many shall wax cold. You remember the man who came to Jesus and he said, Lord, I believe, help mine unbelief. You remember that? At least you remember reading it. None of you were there to witness it that day, right? I believe, help mine unbelief. The Bible tells me I love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind. When I think about that passage, I'm challenged. Are you? Can any of us say truthfully that we love God that much? I don't know. I don't think we can. Because the love of other things often gets in the way, doesn't it? But we can say with the man who said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. We can say, Lord, I love you. Help me in my lack of love. 
The greatest thing that people can say about the Tabernacle Baptist Church is not that we're an independent Baptist church, not that we hold uh, precisely to the scriptures, although those are good things to say, not that we're a missionary-minded church, not that we invest in Christian education, not that we have experienced numerical growth. Those are all wonderful things to have said about us, but here's the greatest thing, here's the more excellent thing that people can say about the Tabernacle Baptist Church is that we love God and we love people. So it would be a tragedy to have a church without charity. Because we would make a sound, but there would be no substance. There'd be no message. We would have a vision, but it would be of absolutely no value. And we would be benevolent, but without any benefit. May God help us. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.